WebCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the Executive Director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monyoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Broadcasting this week from the Sunset Room in Elizabeth Township, PA, we are at the Manufacturing Day Luncheon. Hosted by the Monioc Area Chamber of Commerce, the topic of the discussion today is the future of manufacturing in the Mon Valley. Our host this week is Maury Bergwin. He's the president of the Monioc Area Chamber of Commerce. And we will hear from a variety of panelists, including Tim Joyce, who is chief of staff to State Senator Jim Brewster. We will hear from State Representatives Austin Davis and Michael Piscarek. Robert Macy, Allegheny County Councilman. John Pro, who is the Southwest Regional Director of the State Department of Community and Economic Development and Kurt Barshik, who is general manager of the Mon Valley Works of U.S. Steel. Also on the panel, Patty Hervatich, who is vice president of business investment for the Pittsburgh Regional Alliance, Jeff Nair, who is vice president of business development for People's Natural Gas, and Jeff Nobers, who is executive director of the Builders Guild of Western Pennsylvania. But the next voice you hear will be the moderator of today's event. That is Michael Bartley. He's executive vice president of production and development for Steeltown Entertainment. Let's get right to our panel. This $1.2 billion investment in the Mon Valley by U.S. Steel is undoubtedly significant. How does the investment in new technology change or affect the future of steelmaking at the company's Mon Valley Works and overall manufacturing offshoot businesses? See me. I'm, I'm Kurt Barshik. I'm the general manager for uh, U.S. Steel Mon Valley Works. So really what this investment is going to do for us, let's talk about where we're at currently today in U.S. Steel. You know, the Mon Valley is the lowest cost producer of steel for U.S. Steel. Uh, we're, you know, and we, we are that because how all three of our facilities function together. And it really starts with Clareton. We are the most energy efficient steel mill in the United States because we utilize the coke oven gas that's produced at Clareton to fuel our reheat furnaces at Urban, to fuel our blast furnaces, to fuel our uh, boilers. So we're not purchasing uh, external natural gas and other energies, so we're saving you know, savings on, on that. Um, so our mills run very, very effectively, very, very low cost, but it's a capability uh, issue at this time. Our hot strip mill was built in 1938. It was made to produce or to run six-inch slabs. We're running eight-inch slabs. And we really reached its capability limits. We reached the, the point where some of our products, our customers are looking for more advanced steels, higher strength that we cannot make. So we can be low cost. We can produce steels, but we're not making the steels that our customers want. This investment, nobody will be able to touch us. So we're going to get into even further advanced steels that we're not capable of making at this time, namely the advanced high strength steels for the automotive industry. We have a great customer base in the Mon Valley. We make appliance steels for Whirlpool, uh, Armana, GE. We make construction steels, mostly you know guardrails and, and sheeting and roofing for housing. But this is really going to put Pittsburgh in the Mon Valley in particular as an epicenter for automotive steel production. So our mills in Detroit, they won't be able to compete with us. We will new, now be the new automotive center for, for steel production, which is fantastic for us. 
as uh, Representative uh, Davis said, you know, the other part is the, is the co-gen at, uh, at Clarendon. I'll be quiet after this. I'm probably hogging the mic. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, our co-gen is, is the other part of this investment. So when we um, fire up this new facility, we'll be idling our hot strip mill at Urban Works. As I mentioned, Urban Works reed furnaces are fired with coke oven gas. So we'll have excess coke oven gas that we have to utilize. So to, to be energy efficient, we're going to build a cogeneration facility that will basically you know, fire this cogen plant with coke oven gas and generate electricity, and it will generate steam. We'll utilize that steam in our, in our facilities. More importantly, we'll utilize the electricity. So we won't be buying power off the grid. Uh, you know, from, from some of the power uh, uh, companies. That's, that's, that saves our carbon footprint, right? So we're no longer firing powerhouses uh, uh, or power plants with, with coal, uh, per se. We're utilizing our, our own power to, to, to feed our, our steel mills. And then we're, we're tremendously excited about the environmental benefits of both these investments. As you read in the facts, uh, they're, they're tremendous. The reductions in, in particulate matter, the reductions in NOx, the reductions in uh, sulfur dioxides are really fantastic. So this investment really has something for everybody. We call it the, it's the best of the best of both. It's going to sustain high tech jobs. It's going to sustain Pittsburgh and the Mon Valley as as the steel city, and it's going to improve you know tremendously our, our environment. If there's anybody who deserved a little extra time, it's Kurt. So let's give him a hand. That was excellent. John, are you, are you good? Thank you so much. We certainly appreciate uh, in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania the investment that you are making here in the Pittsburgh region and in the Mon Valley. Uh, and the good news, I think, uh, is more than just this investment. It's a signal to all of you who have businesses in the Mon Valley that this is still a great place to invest. And I think one of the messages I want to deliver today and I won't bore you with an entire list of state programs, but I know all of you are not U.S. Steel, and you don't have those big company resources that Kirk might have. But we at the state do have any number of programs that can help you. So as you're seeing this investment being made here in the Mon Valley, and you start to think about what you want to do with your own businesses, uh, please keep in mind that you're not out there alone. Um, we have tax credit programs available to you. We have people that can provide you with technical advice. Um, we can help you maximize your dollars and your investments. So as you hear about this amazing investment and you start to think about what you want to do in your own businesses, please remember that there are a lot of folks around, myself included. We've got a team of folks. Patty's got folks um, over on her end. We can lead you to resources that will help you maximize your dollars, and I would hope that all of you would. Um, this is a wonderful signal to everybody, uh, and your investments can help us rebuild some of these communities, and we have a lot of ways to do that. Kurt and John have both mentioned this, the job issue, and, and you have to balance you know, high technology with, with jobs and so forth in this, in this industry. South, southwestern Pennsylvania is known, of course, for its world-class workforce. Given the future investments we're seeing with these major construction projects, such as Shell Plant in Beaver County, the U.S. Steel announcement here in the Mon Valley, what do we need to do to have the future skilled workforce available 
to build and operate these facilities moving forward and to expand, I guess. Uh, I was talking with Patrick Bendel, who's with New Century Careers, and they offer th free training at three locations, Pittsburgh, McKeesport, and Latrobe. Uh, CCAC, as Councilman Macy mentioned, is offering free training. And folks coming out of the technical skills, again, repeating what Bob said, they're making a good living. My son graduated as a mechanic about seven years ago, and he's doing much better than I am. Because at his age, compared to mine, which is a big difference, but he's doing very well. And what we fought, and what a lot of parents fight, is that they don't want their children to go to technical school. That everybody should go to college. So we're getting a lot of people out of college that can't find a job. But when you come out of the skilled training, or you come out of the tech schools, there's a good job waiting for you. You know, touching on that subject, one of the things that I have seen and heard over the last couple of years or so is that we need to be really quite aware of the technical side, the trade jobs, because as us white hairs, myself included, start retiring from these factories, we need to make sure that we have a workforce to replace them so that we can keep and grow the manufacturing and industries that we have here in the region. All right, so uh, that was just briefly at the state level. One thing that we've done with the assistance of Governor Wolf in the last two to three budgets that we've passed is made significant investments in career and tech ed uh, and workforce development uh, because really we have to give young people, you know, when I graduated, and I'm 30 now, but it wasn't that long ago, but, I, you know, I could just remember everybody, you were just pushed to go to college. That was like everybody should go to college. Everybody should go to college. And the reality is college isn't for everybody. Um, and, and quite frankly, you, as, as Tim just said, you can come out in a better place in a trades job than many folks who come out of college. I mean, you're, you're, you're one, not saddled with student loan debt. Uh, you're, you're, so that opens an endless amount of possibilities for you. So we've been trying to make really strategic investments at the state level to support workforce development. Uh, and I think you're going to continue to see that type of growth, uh, at least from our perspective, as we go forward. Yeah, and you could, yeah, college could still be an option later on. Online. You are listening to the Monoc Area Chamber of Commerce's Manufacturing Day luncheon entitled The Future of Manufacturing in the Mon Valley. This was recorded October 4th, 2019 at the Sunset Room in Elizabeth Township. And you're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes from TubeCityOnline.com. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Two Rivers, 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media, Incorporated. If you've got an idea for someone who you'd like us to interview or a question or comment, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Thanks, I'm uh, Jeff Nobles. I run uh, Builders Guild, which uh, represents the 16 construction trade unions in the region as well as contractors. And, uh, you know, to echo off some of that, we have 16 joint apprenticeship training centers. And uh, we spend over $40 million a year training apprentices to come into the construction trades. And that's fully funded by the members of the unions and the contractors. Uh, we get little, if any, government money. Uh, there is no charge to the apprentices. Uh, it's absolutely free. And they're paid with benefits while they're in training. So uh, suffice to say, it's a major advantage over college if you don't want to pursue something that requires it. And I know a lot of times we say college isn't for everybody. Uh, we like to say construction isn't for everybody. Um, 
you know, we tell kids, why don't you try construction? If you can't cut it, you can always go to college. Um, you know, the, the point being that it's not about intelligence. It's not about desire. It's about what do you want to do and have a passion for? If you want to be an accountant, by all means, you have to go to college. If you want to be a carpenter or a plumber, you don't need to go to college. You can come to us, go through an apprenticeship, and, and the dollars are real. Uh, you know, we have young people today, you know, especially working at the crackers, some of the, uh, the uh, gas projects and so forth. And I'm talking 20-year-olds who came to us out of high school making in excess of $100,000 a year with fully paid health care and fully funded pensions. You know, they don't pay a penny into that. So you know, it is real. And, and what I would say the big impediment we face at times, uh, I think the shift has started with parents and teachers. College enrollment is down across the country and, and basically in our region. I think people have caught on to the cost and how many of these degrees prepare you really to do nothing when you come out of school. Uh, but I think we also have to look at, you know, we get asked a lot, well, how sustainable is the career? Am I going to get laid off all the time? What I would say is, as we see it right now and into the foreseeable future, that's not going to be an issue. But as companies want to expand, as we try and bring in other companies into this region, we have to be welcoming. And I will tell you, in the last couple of years, that's not been the case. You know, we have civic leaders, we have groups that have been very vocal in trying to thwart things going on here. U.S. Steel is a great example. Uh, you have environmental groups that want cleaner air, yet their solution is just close the company down. And that's not a solution. Uh, when you're using the most, uh, uh, the most uh, advanced technology available, you can't do any better than that. You know, 50 years from now, will there be a different technology? I'm sure there will be. And guess who's going to come up with that? The industries that use that technology. So I think we all have to be supportive of our industries. We have to be supportive of these technical careers. And we have to get involved and take a stand against, quite frankly, some of the uh, totally erroneous statements that get made about our industry and about our region. That was beautifully stated. Adam? Yep. You can... So, um, first of all, I want to say um, a little bit about the Cracker Project. Last week, it hit peak construction at 6,000 craft workers. Um, that's, that's wonderful, right? And that's not talking about the other 1,000 on-site who are supporting the project. But, um, so now it'll start to come down a little bit, but um, hit 6,000. But what, my primary job is to attract businesses and investment to the region. And when it was time to um, talk to those big petrochemical projects, those companies, um, at one time I had seven of them in our portfolio that we were talking to, they said we couldn't build something like that in this part of the United States. And um, we're proving them wrong right now with the help of a lot of the um, organizations represented here in the room. But what I had to do to prove to them that we could do this, and I couldn't prove, I had to give them data to make the case. I had to figure out exactly how many steam fitters and boilermakers and cement masons and maintenance engineers and everybody that we had in this region. And I went to the Builders Guild and said I needed that information, and I got it. And I was so proud to have that data armed with me going down to Houston, Texas every other month. 
then they came to me and said they needed to know where they live in order that they would have a safe drive to and from work and quality of life and be productive. So um, I went back to industry and the crafts and said, where do they all live? And I got the home addresses, and our organization plotted 41,000 home addresses by craft to hand it to those EPCs or engineering procurement construction companies to say, yeah, we do, we do have the people here. So um, they need to know that data, and we need to fill that pipeline. I brought stats here today. Most of our manufacturing workers in this region are between the ages of 45 and 54 years old. Um, I don't fall within that category. But we need to keep that pipeline of folks filled so that we can go out and attract another cracker or a storage hub, whatever. One thing that I learned uh, coming into office in my freshman term was the fact that so many of the businesses that are looking to locate um, their businesses in a new location, they factor in the fact that we have one of the best workforces in anywhere in the country. If you want to build something, if you want to build a manufacturing site, you need skilled labor. We have that. Now, one of the things though, that we need to do to ensure that that continues is we need to be able to help our friends in the, in the industries finish things like the Montfayette Expressway, get the 885 connector done so we can get into the city of Pittsburgh. Finish the Southern Bellway so those cracker uh, byproducts that they're producing up in Beaver County, they can make their way down to the Mon uh, Monfayette Expressway and be distributed all throughout our region. That's where we're moving towards, and that's what we have to get done. But until Harrisburg and until the Turnpike Commission is willing to work with us, we're not going to be able to do too much. But that's why we need all of you as far as the business community to step up and start making your voices heard. You want to see these highways done so we can actually get these brownfield sites developed. I wasn't rushing you, that was my next question. Infrastructure. Um, let's just open that up because it's, it's a serious issue uh, and some of you are chomping at the bit. So. Uh, with discussions in DC and Harrisburg regarding the need for, to improve the aging infrastructure, whether it's transportation by rail, highway, even river navigation system on the Mon and the Ohio rivers as well, with the locks and dams, how important will reliable and efficient infrastructure be to allow future development for industry and manufacturing in the Mon Valley region? And, all right, we'll come all the way. Some of you have heard this story before because it's a soapbox issue for me, but we need to have the investment in the Montfayette Expressway. That 12 miles is key to many of the assets we have in this region. What we have not talked about, at least in my circles, is the other investment, and that is the locks and dams on these rivers. I think that, that those two projects are probably the most key projects to making this whole region a star when it comes to development. The other aspect of it, and I've talked to many people about that, is that we have close to 1,000 acres of prime commercial industrial land on our literate fronts. So we have the rail, let's get the road, let's get the improvements to the locks and dams, then we have all the key cogs to really promoting and moving forward on manufacturing and industrial development here in the Valley. From the Sunset Room in Elizabeth Township, this is the future of manufacturing in the Mon Valley. It is the Monioc Area Chamber of Commerce's Manufacturing Day Luncheon. Recorded October 4th, 2019. You can get more information about the Monioc Chamber of Commerce by calling 412-678-2450 or going to their website, monioccchamber.com. And this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes from TubeCityOnline.com. We'll be back in 30 seconds.
You're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. You know, we're looking for help in getting this show on the air and for help with other projects. If you're interested in the McKeesport area and you'd like to host a program or write articles for the website, call us at 412-614-9659 or email tubecitytiger at gmail.com. Just to, to, to tell, transportation infrastructure is critical, is, is honestly, I think, critical uh, to, to growth and future development in the Mon Valley region. Uh, out of all the issues I think that we deal with um, in Harrisburg, I can say I think transportation is the one issue that literally has held the Mon Valley back for a number of years. Uh, I think it's critical that we that we have to finish the Montfayette Expressway, uh, but we also have to think um, think in the future. Um, we're seeing that younger folks are, are, are trending less and less to actually drive cars. Uh, they are more interested in a robust mass transit system. Uh, we need to make sure that we're making investments to actually uh, expand mass transit in Allegheny County to places like where we're sitting here in Elizabeth Township uh, so that they're properly served. Because where we have seen economic development growth in this region, it has always been around mass transit. If you look at the growth that's taken place in East Liberty, uh, it, it's not a coincidence that from East Liberty all the way out to Braddock, that that growth is happening because it's right next to the uh, Martin Luther King Busway. Uh, we have seen a direct link to transportation and infrastructure to development. Uh, and I think it's critical. We are we at the state level are going to have to deal with this issue, I think, in the next two years, Act 89. Uh, I know former Representative Gurley is in the audience. He, he voted for Act 89. Uh, but that's going to be sunset. So we're going to have to figure out where we're going to get the money from to continue to make investments in, in transportation and infrastructure projects. Uh, and I think we all have to step up to the plate as a collective uh, to make sure we're making those investments. So, well, yeah, I certainly agree with the, the comments about transportation and its connection to development. Uh, but I also want to remind folks that not everyone wants to live in the city of Pittsburgh. I know that's hard to believe for folks who are from Pittsburgh, but not everyone wants to live in the city of Pittsburgh. Not everyone wants to live in the city of Philadelphia or Harrisburg or Scranton or Erie. There are many people who prefer a rural lifestyle or a small town lifestyle. And so I think what we also need to be focused on, particularly in groups such as this, is that we really want to look to rebuild our communities. Uh, and Michael talked a little bit about infrastructure, and infrastructure doesn't just mean transportation. Uh, it certainly, it means broadband, it means water lines and gas lines. Uh, it means taking blight down in a lot of our communities. Governor Wolf's idea is the Restore PA plan, which would bring in $4.5 billion a year into Pennsylvania by taxing shale. People are on Different sides of the fence on that. It's an issue that will be debated by the legislature. Uh, Senator Bartolotta has another plan, I believe. Uh, but those are the kinds of conversations we have to be having right now. We need to rebuild our communities. The folks that are going to work in the steel plant here in, in Clareton or at the urban works up on the hill, you know, they might not want to live 25 miles away. They might want to live right in Elizabeth right in Clareton or, or maybe down in Austin's district. So I think we also need to keep, you know, keep our mind and our focus on the fact that we want to be rebuilding the communities where we are living and working. They have a lot of assets, right? They do have a lot of assets. Somebody said great housing stock. 
Access to the river, the Mon River's cleaner than it's ever been. It's a great place for recreation. Uh, the communities are walkable. Young people want walkable communities, right? They want to get on their bikes. They want to walk to places. They want access to recreational activities. So those are all of the kinds of issues that I think also need to be looked at when you're having this broader discussion. But most importantly, it's how do we rebuild these communities right where we live? It's nice to go into the city of Pittsburgh. I love to go there, but I live in Charleroi, and I can't tell you how many of my neighbors say, ooh, you went into the city of Pittsburgh? They just don't do that, right? They, they want to have what they want where they live. So a lot of times when we're trying to compete for large manufacturing projects, we have to go through a RFI process similar to what you probably do in your own work. The, um, we have the Port of Pittsburgh, and it is an inland port, so we're in a little bit of a deficit with that. So um, we check all the boxes that we have two class ones with the NS and the CSX, and that we have a great regional railroad network, and check the box that we have these navigable rivers. We have 200 miles of them, and some of them are double chamber that can get a lot of commerce through. Some are single chamber, but there are 17 locks and dams within that 200 mile district that we have to keep ready for commerce. If there is any slip in any of these schedules, it costs these folks, um, both the end users and the companies building them, a lot of money. So I am definitely in support of keeping the locks and dams in um, the best shape ever so that we can win these big projects and. I live in the house I grew up in, Greenfield, and most of my neighbors worked in either in Homestead or in Hazelwood. Um, are you getting a growing sentiment about the support for this this investment? I, I, I suspect so. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, one thing that infuriates me, and you hear this a lot from people from outside the Mont Valley, is, oh, Pittsburgh, you still make steel there? Really? You make steel? You still make steel? It's like, are you kidding me? We're, we're like... You know, one of the best, most cost-effective operations, uh, you know, in the steel industry. So, yeah, the support has been incredible, and that's always been kind of our um, thought in, in this investment. Keep steel in the steel city, you know, really transforming what we do innovatively. So, you know, we've been in business over 100 years. These two investments are going to keep us in business for the next 100 years. So we're, we're excited about it. We thank everybody for, their, for your support. The faster we can, you know, make this investment and get underway, you know, the faster that we can be sustainable, create those jobs, high-tech jobs. So we appreciate everybody's support along this process. So, you know, at the Mon Valley Works, we employ about 3,000 employees. If you tie in our research facility and headquarters, we're, we're upwards of over uh, 4,000. We plan on keeping that, that kind of job base in Pittsburgh with this investment forever. Those jobs are going to transform you know, where some of our maintenance and folks, you know, right now in the mill, we have a, a downturn or a breakdown. It's, hey, okay, we have to go grab our pipe wrenches, go grab our tools. We're going to transform those workers. Now it's going to be, hey, we need to grab our laptops. We need to grab our, our, our voltmeters. This facility is probably going to have upwards of five to 10,000 different sensors on it. Highly automated robotics, controls, drives. And that's the next workforce that we really need. Um, so those jobs that we're going to sustain are not only going to be great jobs for raising families, but they're going to be high-tech jobs, in-demand jobs, as we talk about you know, the trades and, and organizations and you know, where do we need to focus uh, our education and, and you know, what, what workers will I be looking for. It's really going to be those high-tech individuals. 
You have been listening to a special presentation from Two Rivers 30 Minutes. It is entitled The Future of Manufacturing in the Mon Valley. This is a broadcast of the Monioc Area Chamber of Commerce's Manufacturing Day Luncheon, recorded on location October 4th, 2019 at the Sunset Room in Elizabeth Township. The moderator was Michael Bartley. The panelists included State Representatives Austin Davis and Michael Piscaric, Allegheny County Councilman Robert Macy, Jonna Pro, the Southwest Regional Director of the Department of Community and Economic Development, Kurt Barshik, General Manager of U.S. Steel's Mon Valley Works, Patty Horvatich, who is Vice President of Business Investment for the Pittsburgh Regional Alliance, Jeff Nair, Vice President of Business Development for People's Natural Gas, and Jeff Nobers, Executive Director of the Builders Guild of Western Pennsylvania. Special thanks to the Monioc Area Chamber of Commerce for allowing us to bring this event to you. You can find out more information about the Monioc Chamber of Commerce by going to their website, monyochchamber.com, or by calling them at 412-678-2450. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, Copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at tubecityonline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, McKeesport, PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at TubeCityOnline. Online.